Hello, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the podcast, Players in the Game of Life. Today I want to talk about a subject that has come up in the barbershop. All the talk that comes up in the barbershop is not always beneficial to those who are living on this earth, let me put it like that. But some of it is is, is beneficial. But one of the questions that, that has come up just here recently is, How can a loving God send someone to hell? This is going on in a barbershop. But in order to address this question of a loving God sending someone to hell, we first need to define a few terms and correct a few wrong assumptions. Our definition, first off, must be biblical and our assumptions have to be correct. We must first define the term loving God. The phrase assumes some things about God and answering the question at hand according to flawed assumptions leads to wrong conclusions. Our culture defines a loving God as a completely non-confrontational being who tolerates anything we want to do. But that is not a biblical definition. 1 John 4.16 says that God is love. That means that he does not possess love as we do. He is the very definition of love and therefore cannot do anything that is unloving. The law of non-contradiction states that something cannot be both true and untrue at the same time. So if God is love, then he cannot be at the same time unloving. So the first fallacy present in the question, how can a loving God send someone to hell, is the idea that allowing people to go to hell is an unloving act on God's part. If we humans decide that God is somehow wrong to allow unrepentant sinners to pay their deserved penalty, then we have declared that we are more loving than God is. We have set ourselves up as God's judge and jury, and in doing so, have closed the door to deeper understanding. Therefore, the first step in answering this question is to agree with scripture that God is love. Therefore, everything he does is an expression of that perfect love. The second fallacy presented by the question, how can a loving God send someone to hell, concerns the word sinned, which donates or denotes rather an action only on the part of the sender. If a man sends a letter, sends a request, or sends a gift, all action was done by that man. No action was taken on the part of the letter, request, or gift. However, this understanding of the word sin cannot be applied to the question at hand because God has given human beings freedom to participate in their life choices and eternal destinations, according to John 3:16 through 18. The way this question is worded implies that if anyone goes to hell, it is the result of God's unilateral action, 
and the person being sent to hell is a passive victim. Such an idea completely disregards the personal responsibility God has entrusted to each of us. How can a loving God send someone to hell? The entire question is wrong. A better wording is, if God is love, then why do some people go to hell? Romans 1, 18-20 lays the foundation for the answer. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has made or has been made so that the people are without an excuse. There are several key points in this passage that give us glimpses into the heart of God. First is the fact that people actively suppress the truth. People have been given enough truth to know and surrender to God, but they refuse it. Self-will wants to deny God's right to tell us what to do. So with the truth in front of us, many people turn away and refuse to see it. Atheist Thomas Nagel has said, it isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I am right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Second, Romans 1 states that God has made plain to them. In other words, God has taken the initiative to make his truth known to everybody. History has proved this since time began, as every people group has sought some understanding of a creator to whom they owe allegiance. Such knowledge is an integral part of what it means to be created in the image of God, according to Genesis 1 and 27. Romans 1.20 then says that people are without excuse. And to whom would they give such an excuse? The very one who says he has made himself known to them. If they would only humble themselves and accept such revelations. God judges each of us according to the truth he has given us. And Romans 1 states that we each have enough truth to turn toward rather than away from him. When answering the question, how can a loving God send someone to hell, another facet of God's nature comes to play. God is not only love, but he is perfect justice as well. Justice requires adequate payment for crimes committed. The only just punishment for high treason against our perfect creator's eternal separation is his permanent or eternal separation from him. That separation means the absence of goodness, light, relationship, and joy, which are all facets of God's nature. 
To excuse our sin would require God to be less than just and allow sin-tainted humans into his perfect heaven would be like rendering that place less than perfect. That's why only the perfect son of God could go to the cross in our place. Only his perfect blood was an acceptable payment for the debt we each owe God. When we refuse Jesus as our substitute, we must pay the price ourselves. God gave us the freedom to choose how we respond to him. If he forced us to love him, we would be robots. To give us no option but obedience would be a violation of our free will. Love is only love when it is voluntary. We cannot love God unless we have the option of not loving him. Because God honors our autonomy, we will never, he will never surrender or force us to surrender our law or loyalty. He, he won't do that to us. He will never make us do something we don't want to do. He will never tell you to give up. You're right. Never tell you to give up your loyalty. Who is your loyalty to? That's what you got to ask. However, there are consequences for either choice. C.S. Lewis summarizes this truth in his classic work, The Great Divorce. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those whom God says in the end, Thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. My brothers and sisters, it lays me out when you start to think about God sending somebody to hell. But you know that there are consequences for all of our actions. If we do have free will and do we do have it, we choose to do whatever it is we want to do. You can choose to uh, rob a bank. But if you get caught, there's some time that you're going to do. But then there are other possible consequences. While trying to get away, you might run into a gunplay. You might have to kill somebody or somebody kills you. Are you willing to take those chances? It, it, it lays me out sometimes the things that we are willing to take and the things that we're willing to go through for whatever it is that we want to do. Sin is something else. Satan makes us believe that that's the way to go about getting what we want. Number one reason that people sin is because it feels good. Whatever it is, it feels good at that moment. We all adults. It feels good at that moment. But if you wake up with that unretrievable or un, that, that, that package that you can't give back, then you wonder, but you made a choice. Nobody wakes up in the morning talking about they want to be an alcoholic or a drug addict, but you made a choice. As we grow up and as we mature in this world and in this life, we start to understand that there are consequences for all our decisions. Some of those consequences are drastic. Some of them are minimal. You can choose 
to disobey your mother and father in this age. In this age, I'm saying. And the consequences could be minimal. Or you could do it when I was coming up. And the consequences could be <laughs> something that you don't even want to think about. I mean, it's not death, but it's right next door to it. Sometimes people can choose some of the what they feel is is what's absolutely necessary. In fact, I was asked a question in the barbershop once. Would I commit a crime to feed my family? Well, it was a hypothetical question. And with me being how I am and who I am right now in Christ, I don't know what I would have did before Christ. But now that I am in Christ, I know that there are other alternatives. And I don't have to do that. There's too many people that I could go to and ask for help. Number one, I still believe and know for a fact without fear of contradiction that I could go to the church and get help. I know that there are people that I know that I could get some help. I know that I could get food. I may not be able to get $1,000 from them. I may not be able to even get $100 from everybody, but I can get it from some. I have some people that are close to me that God has allowed me to meet that they would help me. We all got some ride or die friends that'll help us to go do something wrong. But I even have friends that'll pray with me and pray for me. And some that don't want to see me do anything contrary to the will of God or that would put me in or my family in any kind of danger. But it's like that with some people. And I have to remember where I came from. I'm not so heavenly bound that I'm no earthly good. I, I do take into consideration where people are right now today in their lives. And everybody don't have it. But let me say this. Christian people... People who follow Christ, let me put it like that. I'm not talking about church folk, people who just go to church and the church not in them. I'm talking about people who truly follow Christ and understand what the love of God is. You know, that love of God is transferred into us. And we as followers of Christ will do that same thing. We will love people. We may not like some of the things they do. We may not even want to participate in some of the habits that they have, some of the lifestyles that they got. But we do remember that they're still human beings and remember where we came from. We came from a place that wasn't all of us, not everybody now, but some of us have come from a place that wasn't beautiful or wasn't pretty at all. But thanks be to God and thanks be to Christ Jesus. Thankful for, for him paying the ultimate price so we can be reconciled back to God. Because when we sin, we risk the separation from him. And I don't want that in my life. And I wouldn't want it for anybody that I call myself having uh, not so good feelings about. I may not like what they do or like how they talk or like how they walk, they walk. But they're still human beings. And God gave me a chance. Who am I to, to not give somebody else one? Not to forgive somebody else for what they're doing. This is the Christmas season, my brothers and sisters. We need to watch how we treat other people. If we asked a living, loving God to forgive us for our sins, we have to forgive other people for theirs. And we have to quit trying to be the prosecuting attorney and the judge of everybody else. I ask right now that you reconsider 
some of the things that we're doing, even some of the people in our own families that we may have a problem with. Yeah, I know it's not easy all the time. Sometimes, you know, you really want to just strike out and do or even say something to somebody that's not a godly thing to do. We don't have to do that. There's a thing called conflict resolution. Learn about it. Trust in the Lord. He'll help you. He's not just a person. In fact, like it says, he doesn't send you to hell. You make up your mind. You choose which one you want to do. You can walk like him. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. Are you going to run through or run across some things and or some people that, that make you want to just lose it and then just do what you want to do? Yes, you will. But are you going to do it? I hope and pray that you don't. There's a reward for it if you don't. And there are consequences if you do. Now, on another note, I'm about to change some things with the podcast. Brothers and sisters, you know, God has been good. Uh, I appreciate the followers. I'm not trying to get paid for this. All I want to do is put out a word. I'm not trying to make you think like me. I'm not trying to make you, you know, believe everything I say. I want you to search it out and think for yourself. Use your brain. Operate. Think sometime. All I want to do is entice people to think about things. And maybe your perspective will change. And hopefully it will change for the better. So talk to you later. And I'll share some things with you at a later date. But good things are happening for players in the game of life. Talk to you later. May the Lord bless you and keep you.